0: The following is a presentation of the Michigan Sports Network.
1: It's a Honolulu Blue Friday on the huge show across Michigan, presented by Copper Craft Distillery. Honolulu Blue is crafted in tribute to our home pro football team, the Honolulu Blue Premium Vodka Can Cocktail is full of pride and bursting with huge flavor of Blue Raspberry Lemonade. This special limited edition canned cocktail is perfect for tailgates and touchdowns this weekend. Look for it at your local pub, restaurant, or store. It is a Honolulu Blue Friday on the Huge Show Across Michigan presented by Coppercraft Distillery.
0: What's up, Michigan? It is
1: hour number three on a Honolulu Blue Friday here on the Huge Show across Michigan in a moment. Doug Skeen will join me. We'll talk about Michigan, Alabama. Clayton Safey from the Wolverine.com. Uh, you want to drop your comments? You can join us on the Mercantile Bank listener line at 1 866 838 4843. That's 1 866 838 Huge. Mercantile Bank, a Michigan based bank with Michigan based decision makers. And your money stays right here in Michigan, and they have locations all across the state. So on the Mercantile Bank, listener line, 1-866-838-4843. Also, if you want to win Lomas Brown's Lions Golf Cart, courtesy of Drew and the crew at Impact Power Sports on 14 Mile in Rockford, Michigan's newest Yamaha golf cart dealer, just text IMPACT to 21,000 for your chance to win. Text IMPACT to two one zero 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 Doug Skeen former Wolverine part of the Wolverine.com Michigan football podcast with Chris Ballas he's standing by here on the Huled Show across Michigan how you doing Skeener
2: I'm doing great Bill happy to hear your voice
1: yeah trying to figure out what's going to happen Monday
2: well there's a lot of questions isn't there they're all the same ones I've been circling around as exactly as you just mentioned how will our offensive tackles hold up against their speedy defensive ends? And how will our defensive front keep their quarterback inside the fence, per se, and keep him from running around and really hurting us? I think those are two keys. And, and then, like you just said, uh, you know, the his- historically, historically, Coach Harbaugh in bowl games, not all that good. And so <laughs> we'd like to see a change in that. And, and as I said in every big game throughout, you know, ever, you watch the first quarter, the first couple of series for both teams will be scripted, planned out, very detailed, and then when you go from there, after that, as we, as we saw last year, and as we saw two years ago against Georgia, if it still feels really uncomfortable, things seem kind of haywire, and it's a little crazy by the third or fourth possession of the first half, you get to the end of the first quarter, and it's still a little crazy look out that means we're not comfortable and that's when things have gone sideways for us at these playoffs
1: why why has Harbaugh struggled uh in the postseason you know, I'm talking bowl games or college football playoffs uh the last two appearances the first two for Harbaugh and what would you say from your observation deck knowing the game of football at all levels why the struggles uh by play calling game planning counter game planning, whatever Georgia TCU did to Michigan, other bowl teams have done to Michigan. Why, why is that break not helping Harbaugh more than it's hurting him if he's this highly wanted NFL-type head coach?
2: Yeah, I, I think there's two, there's two categories to the answer to that question, Bill. First of all is non-playoff bowl games with Coach Harbaugh. A lot of those years, his top players didn't play to get themselves ready for the NFL draft or some guys were hurt or who knows what was going on there. So we we were missing some guys, and I think that can change the chemistry of of the team that takes the field when you know you're not in full power and it it feels like it's an exhibition game rather than a playoff game. So there's one explanation there, and I think that's part of it. And then... Secondly, in the last two years in the playoffs, that Georgia team was a steamroller. We just got ran over uh, physically and just athletically. I'll never forget a couple of those plays that those guys in the defense made against us, just covering the field. It was like it was just it was a stark difference, right? And then last year against TCU, I think we definitely got a little cute playing calls on our side of the ball. I think we outcoached ourselves in a few moments. J.J. makes a couple critical mistakes and throws the pick sixes. And TCU was ready to play, and 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 we weren't. I, I really look back at last year and think, for whatever reasons, that Michigan team felt like, oh, we're just going to show up here and we're going to take care of business and get on to playing against Georgia in the national championship game. I'm not so sure that they were as tight as they could have been. Now, how those things develop, Bill, these are the, these are the questions that are answered inside the walls of Schembecker Hall. From what I've read this year, it looks like, it sounds like Jim has laid off the intensity of practices a little bit to try to get his guys as fresh as possible. I know there's limits with the NCAA anyway and how much you can practice live football. But it's, a, it's an interesting question. I, I, I think that, uh, you know, there's, there's, maybe there's too much time to think and overthink things. And you go out there and you get out of what you do best. And last year against TCU, we couldn't, trust, you know, in that first part of that game, we couldn't stuff the ball in the end zone. That great offensive line we had, we couldn't get five yards. So then we end up doing some reverse pass thing with, with Loveland, who'd never thrown a college pass in his life, and that turns into a mess. So we just need to execute what we do well and keep our quarterback clean, and I think we'll be all right. But it's it's a mystery for sure, but the facts are, Jim Harbaugh in the playoffs and in, in, in the postseason, not a good record. That needs to change.
1: For the most part, Harbaugh has had slow starts to every season he's ever been a part of at Michigan. People will talk about, hey, where's the play calling? It's, you know, whether they're number one in the country or it was a transition year like, you know, COVID, that, you know, he had that, they had that really good game at Minnesota with Joe Milton, and then the, the COVID season just completely fell apart. I think they came home and got, like, just owned by Rocky Lombardi, who finished his career at Northern Illinois in the Mac. I, there There is the coaching staff question that. All right, so we're sitting down at the college football poker table. Okay, you, you, me, Ballas, uh, Safie, Superfly. And we get to draft and say, what coaching staff would you want the three weeks to get ready for their opponent? What would be the staff in college football you would want? Mm. I I think most would say Saban,
2: right? Well, in this in this matchup, yeah, I'd put my money on Saban if you went over the last few years. Would you take the Georgia staff? Would you take the TCU staff last year who I think outcoached us? Uh, I There's some good questions in there. I, I think I think the Michigan staff under Jim Arbaugh would be last of the choices just because of the realities of what we've seen.
1: It's interesting, man. I, I think it's J.J. McCarthy and the defense containing the edges. I know I sound repetitive all week long, but that's where I'm at right now. Contain the edges. Don't let the Alabama quarterback get loose on third and sevens, and go run for 21 yards. Make him throw, contain the edges, and J.J. needs one of his best games in a Michigan uniform.
2: No question. That is the answer. Keep the quarterback from Alabama inside the fence. Make him sit in there and be a quarterback. I don't think that's his strength. I think his strength is with his feet. And let J.J. have the game of his life. Our offensive tackles protecting him. I believe Michigan is going to find a way to do this, and it's going to be 31-28. Go blue
1: 3128. yeah I got like 2117 Michigan. I the one thing they have why or when we break down and why we do it, the coaching staffs and everything, this is the most athletic 11 on defense I've seen from Michigan. not you know they've had Hutch and other guys who have stood out right uh, but I'm talking the speed to the ball. I find this to be the quickest Michigan defensive unit speed to the ball that I've ever seen.
2: Yeah, they're they're very very impressive. It starts in the middle with our interior defensive line protecting Junior Colson and letting that kid run free and make tackles. Our back end is really strong with Jonathan over there in the corner. Hopefully he's he's healthy, ready to go. We've got good safeties. I feel pretty good about our defense. And but you're right, Bill. This is this is you know a fundamental change happened after that COVID year and and after we got our faces rubbed in it by Ohio State for the better part of seven eight years. Uh, and, and the fundamentals change. I've, I've said this. You and I have talked about this. I think, Jim, stop looking for great athletes that happen to play football, and he started looking for great football players that are also great athletes. And there is a difference between the two. And that's that produces tougher, more violent football teams on the field when you get football players first that are leading your team, showing the way, and it started three years ago now with that, that Aiden hutchinson organization there in Ann Arbor, they changed, they changed the way Michigan plays, and it's been fun to watch ever since. It reminds us of the way we used to do it, and I think this is the recipe that's gotten us this far with all this success, and hopefully that does not change.
1: And also when you get guys who are football players, you get a better culture, okay? And I think you're seeing this uh, somewhat with Ryan Day at Ohio State that you can go have all the five stars and NIL money and Rolls Royces and anything you want, But I'm telling you, at the end of the year, even look at Florida State right now and look at all these opt-outs everywhere, finding a culture where the guys want to go play for each other and win for each other is still, I think, the toughest thing to do in coaching at the D1 level.
2: I think you're absolutely right. Absolutely one of the toughest things, and that's the special sauce that we've talked about. It's that chemistry in that room where you've got this healthy balance of competitive desire to win and beat each other out to to, to to get the starting job. But the Michigan coaching staff has done an awesome job in the last few years of making a lot of guys, beyond the obvious 22, a lot of guys feel like they are starters because of the rotation you see, especially on defense. So many guys play. They all feel like they, they play a critical role, and you get better buy-in in the meetings and better buy-in in practice and better buy-in in January and February when you know the season ahead is going to heavily – depending on what you do as the individual. So that recipe has worked really well, really well for Jim the last few years, and that's why we're here.
1: Doug Skeen, five-time Big Ten champion offensive lineman, also a co-host with Chris Ballas at the Wolverine.com on the weekly Michigan football podcast, talking about Alabama and Michigan. Uh, Harbaugh, it it feels like if the right NFL job is there, he's gone. Skeen, I don't, I'm not privy to any, you know. Side door, backroom conversation. I just, I, I feel that the offer's been there for a while. He hasn't signed it. If there is the right NFL job, he will go. But I stress it has to be the right one.
2: I totally agree. I've been saying it all year, back to the summer when we were playing golf. And and we talk about the hamburger witch hunt for Coach Harbaugh with the NCAA. I felt like back then, And now with this, uh, you know, the the sign-stealing mess and everything, it's still so yet to be determined there. And then I think you throw a little more, Bill, I think you throw a little more juice in this with his brother having arguably the best team in the NFL, maybe the hottest team going into the playoffs right now. Jim's one of the most incredibly competitive guys anybody that's ever been around. And he came, came so close to that Lombardi Trophy with the 49ers. His brother got it. I think he desperately would love to have another shot at it, and the clock is ticking. He's had a ton of success now at Michigan, making his third run in a national title. I absolutely believe if the right situation comes up, he'll jump to the NFL, and I don't blame the guy for doing so. If I were a football coach and I had my choice between the stability and the roster rules and the set regulations of the NFL versus the wild, wild west of college football, the NIL, the transfer portal, and very, very difficult ways for any coach in America to keep your roster intact. I would choose the NFL if it were me, and I won't be surprised if Jim does the same. The re-recruiting
1: of players, the transfer portal, the NIL, uh, the different mindset of guys even wanting money for recruiting visits to some schools. NFL, you don't deal with that. Guys know what they're getting paid. They know their spot on the depth chart. It's all business.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And that's why the stability I mentioned is it's a sure thing in the NFL. You know that whether you're the coach of the Detroit Lions, Dallas Cowboys, Miami or Seattle, doesn't matter, you're in a level playing field. There of course, there's other challenges to be said for different organizations throughout the NFL and it's probably a little harder to get free agents to come play in Detroit than it is to come play in Dallas or Miami just because of the geographic location, but those things are the only differences in, in college football. If there's, there's hardly any rules, Bill. I mean, we, we know, you and I know, and you can read all about it. you've got a star player on your team, good luck keeping him because 5'10 or more other Division I teams are going to call that kid, to get a hold of his parents or his uncle or whoever the decision maker is, and offer a ton of money to jump in the portal and come play. And this is happening all over the country, and there's nothing any coach can do to stop it. And that's why I think one of the main reasons guys like Jim Harbaugh and others that have a chance to go to the NFL will take it.
1: I agree. hundred percent. Doug Skeen. Wow. Me and Skeen agreeing. It must be the holiday uh, season, <laughs> man. Uh, happy new year to you. What a weekend with the lions and the Cowboys on Saturday night, Michigan, Alabama on Monday, then Washington, Texas, the game right afterwards. Those winners will meet in Houston. One final thought, looking ahead. If I'm Michigan, you want Washington to win that game. You don't want Texas having a home game for the national championship.
2: Yeah, I think that's definitely part of it. I like I like our matchup against either one of those teams. Washington obviously has a great quarterback and some great wide receivers, but I think they have some other vulnerabilities. I'd say the same thing for Texas. And the crowd noise may be a little bit bigger down there in Houston. Yeah, it might be a little bit more of a home game. Uh, the Longhorn fans will be there in droves if they if they find a way to get there. But uh, I'll be happy with that matchup, no matter who it is, if we can find a way to get there.
1: Doug Skeen, five-time Big Ten champion, late 80s, early 90s, co-host on the Michigan Football Podcast at TheWolverine.com. And enjoy the New Year's Eve weekend, that game on Monday, and we'll talk next week.
0: All right, Bill. Happy New Year. and Go Blue. From Detroit to Petoskey, this show is huge. It's
1: time to go in the huddle. One, two, three, top
3: flight! DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the National Football League. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and be sure to use the promo code HUGE for a special offer when you sign up. That's code HUGE, H-U-G-E, only at the DraftKings Sportsbook. The Detroit Lions and their fans are still flying high after clinching the NFC North with last week's 30-24 victory at Minnesota. But now it's time for us to turn the page and focus at the new challenge ahead, the Dallas Cowboys, tomorrow night. This game couldn't possibly have higher stakes. Dallas currently sits in fifth in the NFC, while the Lions are in third, Detroit has already sealed the home game for the playoffs, but could get another as long as they win out and get a little help. Imagine that. From winning your division for the first time in 30 years with two games to play and still having a chance to jump up to the number one seed in the conference? What a year it has been. History in the making. If the Lions pull this off tomorrow night, they'll match a franchise record for wins in a season with 12. It's Lions and Cowboys live from Arlington, Texas tomorrow night at 8.15 on ABC.
1: TV. That's mhsaa.tv. 24/7 everything you need to know about high school sports in Michigan. Log on to mhsaa.com.
3: Imagine this. Winning big at Soaring Eagle. It's the Snowfall Lucky Draw. Every Saturday in December, select the lucky ornament from the holiday tree for the chance to take home your share of over $400,000 in prizes. It's the Snowfall Lucky Draw, every Saturday in December, only at Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort. Your getaway. Reimagined. Visit SoaringEagleCasino.com for complete rules and details.
0: You're listening to the Huge Show on the Michigan Sports Network.
1: We are back in the Huge Show across Michigan. Honolulu Blue Friday, presented by Copper Craft Distillery. Superfly Haze is our executive producer. Earlier, I had a chance to talk with Clayton Safey from the Wolverine.com. We discussed the future of Harbaugh, that Michigan-Alabama college football playoff semifinal on Monday. Clayton, a Grand Rapids native, had a lot to say when it comes to the Wolverines and what they can do to the Crimson Tide and the future of Jim Harbaugh in Ann Arbor. But When you look at this matchup, where, where does Michigan have the advantages right now over Alabama and vice versa?
4: I think it's it's tough to say for sure because you know I, I think that Alabama's definitely got some advantages. I think Michigan might have with this its experience and with JJ McCarthy an advantage at quarterback. But you you can't let Jalen Milroe run around. I, look, I, I think that Michigan can move the football if they use JJ's legs, as we talked about earlier. They use him in read options, kind of like Auburn did. I mean, LSU has a different type of beast at quarterback, Heisman winner Jaden Daniels, but he had success moving the ball with his legs. He rushed for I think close to 200 yards in that game. So there are some examples of where you can you can exploit that. I also think that Alabama's secondary is very talented, but there's some the, uh, there's some opportunities in the middle of the field, uh, in the intermediary type of throws that JJ McCarthy's really good at. Uh, Colston Loveland, Michigan's tight end, could be a mismatch type of guy, like a Brock Bowers was for uh, Georgia against them, and I know he wasn't fully healthy. I'm not saying he's Brock Bowers, but I think he's similar. Nick Saban said that the other day as well. Roman Wilson, same type of thing from the wide receiver spot. Um, So I think Michigan can take advantage of that. And we do talk about Jalen Milrow. This is definitely the biggest challenge individually that Michigan's had to face this year at the quarterback spot. But at the same time, this might be the best defense that – Alabama has faced right up there with Georgia. You you could argue one way or the other. And a lot of what Michigan's defense is remembered as will have to do with how they played in this game. But Michigan's D line, you know, I think can have some success. Alabama's tackles good, not great, especially left tackle Caden Proctor. He's a true freshman playing in there. He's huge. I think he's 370 pounds or something Mm. like that, but he gets, he gets moved and you can get around him. You saw Texas do that. You saw some other teams do that. So I think this Michigan defense with its D line, uh, could potentially control the line of scrimmage. Uh, but a lot of it's going to come down to what does Jalen Milrow does? He can throw a good deep ball. Uh, will he be able to connect on some of those big plays? And will they be able to contain him as well? So it's a matchup game. You know, there are so many different chess pieces that both sides are going to have to play. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how Michigan is able to execute. Uh, they they also talked about, you know, a, a couple of weeks ago, how they've kind of changed their prep a little bit for the playoffs, so uh, doing a little bit less contact, a little bit more conditioning, try to stay light on their feet uh, you know, this year than the last couple, so it'll be interesting to see how that translates into what Michigan's going to have to do on Monday. It's crazy that that, that game, a week from now, we'll be we'll know, obviously, we'll know who's heading to the national championship.
1: Yeah, a week from now, if they're in the national title game, which we'll get to later, who's a better matchup for Michigan-Washington or well, Texas, obviously, I think it would be Washington. You don't want it to be a home mm-hmm. uh, national title game for Texas in the state. Yeah. They reside in in Houston. Uh, for Michigan, who are some outliers on guys you think need to have a big game Monday at the Rose Bowl for Michigan to beat Saban?
4: I think a lot of it's going to come down to how they've revamped that offensive line on the right side. Now that Zach Zinter, unanimous All-American, is out for the season at right guard and you got to – Plug in Carson Barnhart like they did the, the last game against Iowa uh, at right guard. He was playing right tackle most of the year. And then Trente Jones, who was coming in as an extra offensive lineman most of the season, now he's your right tackle. So you've got to be really good up front against these dynamic pass rushers of Alabama. Michigan's had some issues protecting at different times this year. So I think those two guys, and even Drake Nugent in the center too, uh, you know, because he's kind of on the right side as well. You play next to the right guard they've got to play well they've got to protect the quarterback and JJ McCarthy even if he's not protected you know for three full seconds on every play like Doug Skeen you know talks about it's got to be three seconds he's got to be able to make some plays get out of the pocket make plays with his legs and, and find guys downfield um, I, I think you know I've watched a lot of Alabama over the last couple weeks I think an outlier type guy um, maybe wouldn't be a, you know other people wouldn't consider an outlier but Mikey Sainer still from the nickel spot how he's played well this year. He's played he? incredible. I mean, five interceptions and every time Michigan needs a big play, it seems like he makes it. And when he doesn't, it was Rod Moore against Ohio State to seal the game. And I, I think that Mikey Sainer still bringing him on some nickel blitzes, maybe to the right of Jalen Milrow, because he likes to roll that way, could be something that Michigan does. Uh, when you look at Jalen Milrow's stats, he's not as good against the blitz. So he's a guy I think Michigan can use in that capacity. And then Michael Barrett, too, from the linebacker spot, I would imagine if Michigan spies Jalen Milrow, it will be Michael Barrett in that role, and he's Michigan's fastest linebacker. He was you know, a, a hybrid type of guy, DB linebacker at one point in his career, so I think he can fill that role for them. Um, but, man, you know, a lot of guys are going to have to step up, play their best game. I think Alabama, with a month to prepare too, is going to find some matchups they like as well, and one of them could be Josh Wallace at cornerback who hasn't been tested a ton this year. Opposite of Will Johnson, um, so everyone's got to play well. But I think Mikey Sanders still could swing this game, and then Colston Loveland from tight end can swing this game. And then I think just on both sides of the line of scrimmage, you got to be really strong.
1: The Harbaugh story. Uh, it's interesting that reportedly there's a huge mega offer, a lifetime deal, sitting there for him. It is funny how any NCAA conversation, anything else, seems to have disappeared uh, once they uh, beat Ohio State and won the Big Ten and now are the overall number one seed representing the Big Ten uh, conference. Mm-hmm. The key is that San Diego job, I think Iberfuss might be saving his job with the Bears, with the way they played. I think whether they five and four in their last nine, it's going to be tough to fire somebody there. Uh, the Vegas job, look at the Raiders, just won at Kansas City
4: yeah I was gonna mention that
1: you know, seem to Pierce may be keeping yeah that job. they're playing yeah. for Antonio uh so it, it in my mind, it feels like Harbaugh is either the coach of the Chargers next year or if they go another way, he signs that long term deal at Michigan,
4: yeah, I mean. Are
1: there any other NFL options? I don't I don't think there will be.
4: I, I think some will probably come open. I mean, I remember a couple of years ago when he interviewed with the Vikings, that wasn't one that people really had on their radar. People were kind of pointing more to Vegas. They go in a different direction. Uh, I think the Chargers was open at that point, too. It could be wrong. Maybe Staley was a year before. But, you know, people looked at some of the obvious ones. Chicago was one of those as well. And then it ended up being the Vikings where he was closest to landing. So possibly, you know, same thing with the Broncos this past year where he interviewed with twice. Um, you know, I, I think one, his focus right now is on the college football playoff, but there have been uh, ongoing contract extension talks with Michigan as well. And it sounds like they're coming around to the fact of, all right, we need to pay him quite a lot of money to, to make him feel wanted. You know, I feel like in my opinion, that's been the biggest thing for him throughout his career is he feels uh, you know, he kind of likes to be courted, as a lot of these coaches do, with the egos and everything. What's the number?
1: Is is it correct? Like 10 years, 150000000 million?
4: I'm not sure how correct it is, but it was Ian Rappaport from NFL Network reported 10 years, $125 million. $125 so, million. so 12 and a half, it would be right up there with Saban and those guys as the highest It's paid. a
1: lifetime contract, basically, to keep Harbaugh there. He just turned
4: 60. Forever, right? So, to it, me. so he'd be 70, and you know, if you want it, to go. It's a
1: lifetime deal if he takes it. Pretty much,
4: if that's if if the report's correct.
1: But if he was gung ho to take it, and it is the up there with some of the biggest offers ever. It's more than what Mel Tucker got. It's up there close to what I think uh, Brian Kelly has. There there was a story also over the weekend yeah. that yeah. well, if Harbaugh goes to the NFL, Brian Kelly might be interested. Kelly did not like the academic restrictions at Notre Dame. Michigan has similar academic restrictions. He's recruiting freely at LSU. The only thing. That would make him move, and he does like to move, and that has been on his resume. Is that with Oklahoma and Texas coming to the SEC? Uh, hello,
4: and that's in his recruiting base. Yeah,
1: how tough that is. And Kelly now comes back to Cincinnati or Grand Valley, Cincinnati, Notre Dame, Midwest routes, right? Sure.
4: And I think too, though, a question is one. You know, we're playing the hypothetical game because Harbaugh is still here, but but two. I don't know that Michigan, and in fact, I would guess, uh, and and maybe more than a guess, that Michigan wouldn't necessarily have interest in Brian Kelly. Either. There's there's a reason why they haven't gone after him in the past when some of these openings. And state come up. was
1: split on him and turned and went on a jumped on a plane and went and got D'Antonio mm-hmm. when it, Kelly was at Central,
4: right? So I you know I don't know Brian Kelly, but obviously there's some some things that you know people have looked at in, in the past when deciding whether or not to go after him for some of these jobs. And then the third thing is. I think Michigan would be smart to run a national search if they had a a head coach opening at the same time. I think Michigan feels really comfortable with the prospect of Sharon Moore, their offensive coordinator and line coach being the the next head coach. I think he's earned it by what he did filling in those three games. I
1: think he earned it in my mind.
4: I think it made people feel a lot better about that, that potential. Um, You know, I would hesitate to say earned it, I guess, but you know, because it is a, it's a well, huge job. Well, there was a job. lot of pressure stepping in. No doubt. For those three games. He did a great job. I, I mean, I think stepping in, though, is different than having to run the program year-round. I mean, there's so much that goes into this job, but especially at Michigan. You mentioned academics being one of them, but NIL and, and the transfer restrictions they have uh, and just how big of, of a job this is. We've seen guys fail at it in the past, so I think they'd be wise if they had a job opening run a national search. I would include Sharon Moore in that, that search. And he may be the guy, the best guy for the job. Um, but it's, it's interesting. I, I would guess that Jim Harbaugh doesn't sign a contract extension. If he does, I mean, I would think that comes after the bowl game. And I mean, he's a guy with leverage right now. He's a guy who could have some interest from the NFL, so he'd be able to weigh his options. So it might be the smart way to go. Um, I would also say it might be smart to take twelve and a half million dollars a year. So you really can't go wrong over if you're, ten years if you're Jim Harbaugh over ten years. So NFL, N-
1: NFL, yeah. uh, the Chargers, as I say hypothetically, give you seven million. You know,
4: right, and they're they're a cheap franchise, right. So I'll just
1: say high seven million over five years, right. And, and you know that's why I think you got maybe two years to win, right, because they're in and their salary cap. They are strapped in terms of salary cap money when you look at their stars, and they're going to yes. have to go the other way and give up a few to free up money.
4: Yeah, they they're not in a good cap situation. They have Justin Herbert, but I mean he, um, you know, he hasn't had the supporting cast. I guess they do have a lot of talent, and you know it's hard to say whether or not it's him or, or whether it was Brandon Staley or is it the other guys around him or is it the organization? Something that Lions fans. You know, I've talked about for a long time as well. So I think, you know, Chargers. He he has ties to California and all that. But if you did sit there in mid-January and they called him and offered him seven million, it's like I can get almost double that from Michigan. And again, I don't think Jim Harbaugh is a money guy. He never has been. But I think that money to him represents how much love and respect that that the people are showing and how much you really want me. Um, and if Michigan is offering more of that and he feels comfortable in a situation, is lives next door to his parents and the kids are there and Jay works for him and he he has a great situation, he's got the program humming, then I think that could be an appealing option too. So just if he doesn't, you know, just because he doesn't sign this contract extension before the bowl game, in my opinion, doesn't mean that he's for sure going to go if he gets interest from the NFL. And
1: quietly he could have told uh, Santa Ono, Manuel, who's ever at the table, his agent, hey, I want to get through the college football playoff. I want my team to be the focus first. And then we will give you a decision,
4: right? He could have said that for sure, and I think that's to me. I, and we know that that he has, seems that seems
1: like the correct business protocol here,
4: right? And it, he has, I think his focus is solely on Alabama. And that that goes and that goes right back to my point. One hundred percent. His agent could say, "Look, we're going to decide when the when the season's over." He, so from what we've heard, he's had people working on this, including an agent. Um, you know, over the last few weeks, really months, but I don't think he's really all that involved in those right now because like you said, and I agree with you, I mean, I think his number one priority is to finish this season in the college football playoff and focus all of his effort on trying to beat Alabama and then whoever might be next, Washington or Texas, if they're able to get past that, but I don't think he's all that focused on it right now. At the same time, you know, part of me is like, you still could just fire up DocuSign you know, as we all use these days, and sign, sign the darn thing, you know. Too.
1: And maybe there is that, and Harbaugh is a competitor. I'm not saying he holds grudges, but he seems to have a fertile, long memory with what he's been through with his own school and the self imposed yeah. three game suspension to start what was going to be a glorious year. And they still could hit that with Harbaugh missing half the season with suspensions. Maybe there's a side of him that, uh, There isn't a number, an amount of money, because if you look at the reports and it goes from a five-year to a 10-year deal, it it almost seems, not desperate, but that Michigan is doing everything they can to tell him, look, we have your back, but maybe he doesn't believe
4: that. Right, and and, you know, there are reports out there, too. Because they had
1: his back, and then all of a sudden, when the Partridge stuff came out, they didn't have the back. Then they have his back. I mean, it's been back and forth.
4: Right, and then they yeah they put things on pause and then they resume and they put, put contract talks back on pause and they delayed this thing to now people were talking in the last week is, is this going to get done before they leave for Pasadena? So I think that the school has done that to themselves. And I think he probably saw what happened to Chris Partridge and what happened to, you know, with this NCAA situation and how fickle people can be, and this is at any institution. Certainly, I think it's something that's the case in a lot of different aspects of universities public university. So I think he probably has had his eyes open to that and doesn't want to go out, um, you know, or or kind of have his fate in the hands of some of these people. Um, And that's complete opinion at, uh, you know, right there. But I think that's something he could look at as well. Um, You know, and I think at the end of the day, probably the thing that he wants is to see what his options are right around mid January after the season's over and, and then kind of make a decision after that.
1: Yeah, because the way it went to a basically lifetime deal at 60 in 10 years, Harbaugh wants to look maybe one final time at the NFL, and if there is an opportunity that he feels he could get that Super Bowl trophy like his brother John, and his brother John may get another one uh, this year, uh, that uh, he doesn't want to say no to it until he's able to weigh it. Right, And I don't think Michigan's in any hurry if Harbaugh signs this now or in three weeks.
4: Well, I think they'd prefer that he signs it now because they don't want to go through maybe the dance of the NFL again like the last couple off seasons. But the funny thing is to me is you read Ian Rappaport's report and, and there's been some other reports about it as well where you have this contract on the table and one of the clauses in there is that he wouldn't be able to entertain any NFL interest before the 2024 season. Well, if he waits to sign it until February 1st, you know that clause is pretty much null and void as it is. So... I'm not saying that's what's happening, but there's just so much that goes into it. And in Michigan, you definitely wouldn't, you know, if if he signs it now, you would want probably something in there that says that. So uh, I think that's likely a smart move by them. Again, I'm not in the negotiation, so it's tough to say, but there's so much that goes into it.
1: Yeah, part of me says by that clause now up to a 10-year deal, they don't want to play the
4: waiting game with him. It's like if we're going to give you – Twelve and a half million a year. If we're going to
1: give you 125 million reportedly over ten years, you need to sign this, right? You know, but when the championship game ends,
4: yeah, something like that. And you would (laughs) want—I mean, you would want him to sign that and then not have to go through. You you would think that twelve and a half million is enough to of a price to pay uh, or for him to receive to not go through that NFL dance for. Would be a third straight off season. Um, you know, I don't know how much it's hurt necessarily because he t- he's done a, such a good job of coming back. And okay, you know, I think in my opinion, I think he chose to not take the Broncos' job, and they've been able to carry over the success the last couple of years too from the year before. So. I
1: only see San Diego because they have a quarterback, because they have Bosa, they have receivers, uh, yeah. they have a team that yeah. easily. When you look at the Chiefs who I think are on the way down, you look at the Broncos, the Raiders, are they just you know, nobody taking them seriously? I know they won at the Chiefs. you are in the right division there in my mind. Mm-hmm. You are. Uh, right division to go 10 and 7 and make the playoffs. And 11 and 11 and 6 may win you the division. Yeah. I'm talking with LA. Not saying I keep saying San Diego, but the LA Chargers.
4: Yep, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. For so, sure. Uh, the cap thing is, is a weird situation. I wonder how much he would look into that because he's also a very competitive person who would probably believe he could win you know, in, in many situations, too. I mean, San, San Francisco didn't look like it was going to be in a good spot when he took over there, and he did a great job. He turned around Michigan, Stanford. Could he be waiting on what JJ's
1: decision also could be if he's coming back?
4: Maybe. Right? Maybe JJ's got to decide by January 15th, so there could be... Time there, and you wonder if J.J. kind of wants to know what... What Harbaugh's doing. Right. I'm sure they've talked about it
1: at some point. Yeah, maybe. They have to. Clayton Safey, Chris Ballas, Anthony Broom, John Borden, Doug Skeen, the Wolverine.com crew, round-the-clock coverage of Bama, Michigan, the college football playoff. Also, they'll keep you up to date on University of Michigan basketball and more at the Wolverine.com. They'll have three team members on the ground in Pasadena, Looking ahead to kick off Monday at 5 p.m. Clayton, thank you, my man. Thank you so much.
0: Everything huge 24 7 at thehugeshow.net.
3: They say consistency is the key to success. They weren't wrong. So, how about grabbing a beer that's consistently smooth, consistently refreshing, and consistently light? You might just find that the road to success can be pretty enjoyable. Michelob Ultra, the perfect balance of taste and refreshment, and only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Enjoy responsibly. Anheuser-Busch Michelob Ultra Light Beer, St. Louis, Missouri.
1: Bill Simonson here for Roast Umber Coffee. It's a farm direct coffee sourced from Central American farmers and roasted in Grand Rapids. And their nitro cold brew coffee is a convenient and healthy option with no sugar or additives. So if you want a great coffee or energy drink to power you through your morning and your day, it's available in ground or whole bean or in cans. More information on the website and direct delivery to your door at RoastUmber.com. Huge here for my friends on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Now the holidays are here, so what would you like for the perfect gift? Maybe to score big on a same-game parlay or get 150 in bonus bets instantly for betting just 5 bucks on basketball, pick an NBA game, Pistons, or any other team. Bet 5 bucks, You can score 150 instantly in bonus bets for using code HUGE when you sign up. This is for new customers, and also, you can get in on the Improved Same Game Parlay Anywhere feature. Just go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, get more details there. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now if you want to get in on that 150 instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on basketball. That's code HUGE you need to use when you sign up. Simple and easy. Only on the DraftKings Sportsbook app, and only when you use code HUGE. To sign up, the crown is yours. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services Gambling Disorder Helpline at 800-270-7117. 21 plus, Michigan only. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash basketball terms.
0: You're listening to the huge show on the Michigan Sports Network.
1: We are back, final segment on a Honolulu Blue Friday presented by Coppercraft Distillery. When you're getting ready to watch the Lions. On Saturday, if you're throwing a house party, stop by your local Meyers Spirit store, pick up that Honolulu Blue Blue Raspberry Lemonade with Vodka, Honolulu Blue and Silver Can. It's awesome. Look for it all across Michigan. And on Saturday night, speaking of the Cowboys and Lions, uh, I'll be with the Preston family and everybody from the Game 730 AM. My listeners can join me at Preston's Bar in downtown Grand Ledge on Saturday night For a huge watch party, Cowboys and the Lions. It's a great, classic, old-school, belly-up-to-the-bar type of place. And I'll be there Saturday night for the Cowboys and Lions. Then on Sunday night, I'm celebrating New Year's Eve, the 80s Rewind at Soaring Eagle in Mount Pleasant. And on Monday, you can watch the Michigan-Alabama game with me. It's a busy weekend, and I love it. I'm having a huge watch party on the big screen with the recliners. Uh, The food and beverage service, adult beverages available at Celebration Cinema North in Grand Rapids on Monday at 5 p.m. You have six different Celebration Cinema locations showing the Michigan-Alabama game on the big screen. For your tickets, go to CelebrationCinema.com. And if you want to join me at Celebration Cinema North in Grand Rapids Monday at 5 for Michigan-Alabama, get those tickets right now at CelebrationCinema.com. We are live Monday at 3, previewing Alabama and Michigan. Happy New Year, everybody. And I can't wait to talk about the Rose Bowl Monday. Big. Bad. Huge.